Welcome to episode 103 of Honestly Unbalanced, where we chat to people that have tried to make your life a little bit better. This week, we're chatting to Ben Bidwell, who's a human potential coach and breathwork practitioner who helps people create better relationships and live more fulfilling and purposeful existences. In this conversation, we chat about societal expectations of masculinity and tools that men can use to reconnect with their true selves, how to find the gap between who we are and who we want to be, how to prioritize emotional intimacy in relationships and how to live multifaceted lives and how to move, well, how he, at least not how all of us, but how he moved away from using nudity as a hook to draw people into the conversation. Uh, It's an awesome conversation. I think there were some tears uh, from all parties at some point. Uh, Before we get started, just wanted to let you know that Holly and I are running our first UK retreat uh, you'd have thought we'd have done, done one by now. We've done them around the world, but not in the UK. So from the 21st to the 24th of June, we're heading to Dorset for a ground and nourish retreat. It's an amazing venue that normally doesn't give access to, well, for, to many people for retreats, but we have been granted access. And we're going to be off, obviously be offering sound healing, yoga, also breath work and mini workshops. Uh, there's going to be gourmet food. It's not a typical yoga retreat menu. There's a sauna there. There's an ice bar to the gym, uh, a pool, a hot tub, beautiful Dorset countryside. It's going to be a really, really special retreat. Uh, so if you fancy joining us there, let us know ASAP. Head to adamhustler.com slash Dorset or just head to my website in general and you'll find out more info. I'm also doing retreats in June in Switzerland, uh, in the mountains with Reclaim Yourself and one next year in Canada, in the Canadian wilderness. It's all available on adamhustler.com. You'll find it all there. And you can't go on a yoga retreat without a Well, you can go without a yoga mat, but ideally you have your own yoga mat. Uh, and I always want to just remind you that Lifeform are great supporters of the work Holly and I do. And code HUSTLER10, H-U-S-L-A-R-10, will give you 10% off their incredible mats. If there's ever a sale on, uh, it might only get you 5%, but either way, Code Hustler 10 will always get you the biggest discount available to the public. Anyway, I'll let you enjoy the podcast. Honestly unbalanced. I haven't seen you naked for a long time. It just occurred to me <laughs> that that I've known you, I think. Well, not known you. We've never. I don't think we've ever met or maybe we've crossed past an event at some point. But I've known of you for a long time, and I think I just knew you as a naked guy. Uh, and I, yeah, I haven't seen much of your bum. Lately, so is, is, is have you checked, have you moved on from that? Is that not part of it anymore? Is it still part of the branding? And did you yeah. use that initially just to get people's attention? What was the uh, speak about that a little bit? Yeah, so I don't know whether to say I'm sorry or like I'm pleased that you have <laughs> just to, just DM me, to DM me or... some later. <laughs> We've already done that, haven't we? Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. To be honest, I think it's kind of um, like you said there, and you, and you, just in your message, you said um, you know, I kind of knew you as the naked guy. And I kind of, I think at one point I sort of stood and I was like, mm, I feel like I need to move beyond this now because mm. that that is that that's become the sort of be all and end all of it. And and it's not. Yes, it was a hook at the beginning, and yes, I I felt well, I wanted it to have some depth and some presence in that. I did want it to be an open and a vulnerable way of expressing what what I wanted to be about. That would be kind of eye catchy, if you like. Um, but I just felt yeah. After a while, I was like, that's all that people are here for. Mm-hmm. and maybe I, I kind of got a bit too serious with it and I just sort of thought I need to move on but I'm still like mm, some people basically like a lot of a lot of people I want to work with I felt might have been pushed away by it mm. so mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to be meeting and working with men who wanted to go on a similar journey that I've been on and I don't know if when I was in my mid-20s if I was scrolling suddenly I came across that image I might have come to a point where I'd been like I not really sure what I'm following this. Mm-hmm. Even like the ego might have kicked in and go, I don't want to be seen with a naked bloke on my screen. Mm. So I kind of looked at my whole branding and I, I just sort of thought, do you know what? Let's drop off the, the nakedness. I'm probably going to lose a few, but I want to be something more than just the images. And, um, in, in a weird way, you, you, know, you are very much in shape. Uh, you still are. Uh, <laughs> and you were then. <laughs> But uh, in, a, in a way, that could have maybe put off some of the clients as well in that I think there's something really nice about 
the aspiration of being in good shape, etc. And certainly, depending on what I'm looking for in terms of service from a person, I would want that. But uh, it, in in the scheme of which you work, in terms of vulnerability, etc., the kind of people that might want to work with you, yeah, agreed, that might slightly have put them off. Whereas, I don't know if you've heard of this guy called Andy Elliott. Have you heard of him? So he's on social media. He's like a... A Tony Robbins, but business orientated, sales orientated, insanely good shape, super aggressive, I think quite toxic, like getting people up on stage, ripping their shirts off, saying like, you're, you're fat. You sh if you work for me, you'd be sacked. Yeah, it's, oh, it, and it's like, terrible. anyone who works for me has to have a six pack. I've uh, heard about this too. Get him uh, off. Yeah. Yeah, I think we move beyond that now, haven't we? Yeah. Well, so, some people have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I hear you. It can it can attract a certain. There is that there is that movement, isn't there? That some people are like, yeah, you know, I, that's drive and that's passion and that's like, you know, and I um, I probably was in that team for a while, you know, and I would have I would have judged and I would have, I put myself on a pedestal, um, but I I've quickly realised that yeah, that only got me so far and mm. wasn't really a fulfilling way of being. So, so what was the starting point of the Naked Professor? What what led you to decide to put yourself out there like that? Yeah, do you know what? There is a there's a real story to this because um, it, it, I guess it started out of pain and desperation in that I was running a, a tech company and I felt really out of control. I felt in the hands of my developers and I couldn't speak their language and I couldn't when we're having problems with this tech product. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I was like walking into the rooms trying to speak Chinese and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really wanted to take ownership of my of my life in a mm -hmm. sense. I wanted something that was mine that I owned. And I knew that was about my, my purpose and my passion at that point was the growth and my personal development. And I knew that it was about being vulnerable and, and opening up. And at that time, I'd gone to America and I'd gone to Yosemite um, National Park. I don't know if either of you have been, but it's this mm -hmm. beautiful, like nature is most like, powerful in the sort of grand grandeur of it it's huge massive trees and massive everything's huge and anyway i was with a friend and we walked did this nature trail and it's beautiful and then we were in this um waterfall and it was so beautiful and really picturesque and we'd sort of been bothering our mates sort of going another picture another and they were like all right bore off we know you're having a great time and then we sort of upping it a bit and then we so we then we took this image of both of us like in nature undressed staring out <laughs> into the distance and then and sent that one almost as a bit of a and that one got even like that you know that that really then they really responded and everyone was like what the what the hell or <laughs> someone like that's actually a really cool photo and some but <laughs> either way there was a lot of attention around it and um I was like do you know what there's something in this 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 mar marries up a little bit about what I want to share and how I want to open up there's there is vulnerability in this there's nakedness there is a like unraveling of like bearing my soul, if you like. And um, can I marry that up in this world of, you know, you've got to make, you don't have to make a noise, but if you, in our businesses, it's important to, mm. to reach. It's our shop window. I was like, could I use this? I'm just about to embark on this message, share, share this passion of mine. Can I marry all this up? And so, yeah, the next thing I knew, I'd work in this photographer and we were getting out into all these iconic London sites and I wanted it to be, uh, like artistic and I wanted it to be professional. I didn't want it to be sleazy and just a naked guy. So I wanted to really capture the images. So suddenly I found myself, you know, walking over Millennium Bridge at 4.30 in the morning when kind of no one was there at sunrise and capturing these images and sort of going on this crazy adventure. And we had some right laughs capturing the images and doing okay. it all. But yeah, it reached a point where I was like, mm, okay. And beyond the imagery, what was the goal for you at that point in terms of the message you were trying to convey? Like rawness, like truth, um, like a stripping away because it it been quite the opposite for me. Like for so long, I realized the masks that I was wearing and, you know, the facade and the armor that I was carrying and the um, just the lack of truth within me. And I wanted to just strip all that away. I was like, hey, this is me. And you'll feel this in my words and the way I show up, but I'll bring you here visually by representing that message from the word go. Um, and was that part of your work at that point or did that did that then transition to it being what you wanted to do in your day-to-day -day? um it was like a passion project to see what happened at the beginning i was like i just want something that i own that i'm passionate about and let's just start this and then who knows and really quickly like just writing about it i was like this is my passion like just mm -hmm. showing up in this way this is my truth this is like 
freedom for me. I get to, I'm taking ownership of like, because my words, there was, a, there was a lot of vulnerability in what I, I mean, God, it's, uh, I don't really like saying that because it makes it, vulnerability. I don't, I don't, I don't, I wasn't intending to be vulnerable. I wasn't, I'm going to be vulnerable to capture attention. Yeah. But just through my truth, I can, there was a lot of vulnerability in it because I, I had been on a journey mm. and I was willing to express that. At what point did you realise that you were wearing masks and you weren't connected to your truth? Yeah, thanks, Holly. Yeah, because it's, it's just true. From like 30 years, I had no idea. Mm. I was wearing a mask. I had no idea it wasn't my truth. I, I really thought that's who I was until I learned like this new part of me. And I was like, this feels much nicer. I feel more judged. I'm scared of what my brothers, my, my dad's going to make of me, what my friends are going to make of me being this way but it is my truth and I feel more relaxed like more in flow allowing myself to be this way rather than having to show up and be a person that actually is quite a lot to kind of keep performing um so it's only when I started to see this other I, I, I'll give you actually a really brief story if mm, you don't mind yeah, but please. I started working with a coach and um, I really, I was working with a coach purely because I had challenges around sex and I struggled to orgasm. That's why I started to work with her. Because mm -hmm. I was like 30, I want to have kids. I want to have a fulfilling relationship, um, like sexually fulfilling relationship. And I, and I honestly was working with her because I thought she was going to teach me new tricks and I was going to get more loud points and it was going to be <laughs> better sex and all stuff, right? And within a couple of months, she had me sending flowers to my mum telling her I loved her. Oh. And I was like, cringe, but... I know it's true and I never tell her I love her and I can't express that, but I know I, a part of me wants to. And what I would like, like the question you just asked, Holly, when did I start to know? When I shared that with my mum, what was going on in my head was the fear of judgment. Like, what's my dad going to think? My brothers, my friends, da, da, da. What kind of guy, age 30, sends flowers to his mum and says, I love you, mum, thank you for everything. Like, loser. That was in my head, right? I'm just, yeah, I'm sorry. This is, my, this is what I learned as a man, right? Awful. And then, but inside of me, if I, if I went really deep into myself, there was also this part of me that was like, I'm really happy she knows it because it's my truth. And whilst I'm cringing, it's true. And so... It was when I started tapping into that part and letting that part come alive, I was like, okay, there is this other part to me. And it does deep down, when I let go of the judgment, I started learning what was judgment and what was truth. I could see that that was my truth, that my love for my mum and my willingness to share my emotion. And the part that wasn't true is all the judgment and the, the part in my head that was saying you're a loser for doing this. And that was all the bullshit, excuse my language, but that I'd learned that all, all all the stuff that I'd learned around masculinity that wasn't true. It was just what had been presented to me. And so, yeah, the more I learned about myself. That's the, the... so lovely. Where does it, where does it come from? This, this conditioning that it's weak for men to express their emotions. Like where does that come from and why, why is it so? Just everywhere, Holly. I don't, Adam, I don't know if you want to like, I'll come to it if you. No, you, you carry on, you carry on. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit cold sometimes. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we'll work on that. We'll yeah. work on that. Um, yeah. No, I, I, um, I, I never judge anyone because I, I was, I was so cold. Like, to, not, not, it's not a bad thing, but I know for me, I am open and warm. And it, where it came from for me was just at a young age, just looking around in this world and seeing that if I wanted to thrive as a man, that I needed to perform in a certain way. And when I looked at it, James Bond, Rambo, Terminator. Yeah. You know, honest Vest alone, the men who were thriving, the men who everyone cheered as heroes and were aspiring to be were like that. Yeah. And they weren't emotional. I mean, they, they were passionate about winning and mm -hmm. dominating, um, and getting the girls, but they weren't open, emotional, vulnerable. Everywhere I looked, you know, that, that message was there. In every sport I played, it was, a, you know, it was about winning as performance. At school, from as young as I can remember, I was judged in my, I had a, 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 a like, I was marked every week how I was performing, whether I was doing well or not. Mm. Everything is, if I wanted to do well, if I wanted to be celebrated, I had to win, you know, get the girls, be good at sports, be strong, be tough, never cry. All that stuff was everywhere I looked. And it's what I saw in my dad mm. in many ways, mm -hmm. in my older brothers, I was the youngest of three boys. Like, I, I didn't see anything otherwise. There was no, no other way. 
can I offer another source of it as well? I think that yeah. I, I certainly agree with all that, you know, that the hardcore masculinity for me, it was like the WWE wrestlers, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, or WWF at the time. But I think another factor for me that affects all men is a sense of duty. Well, we're not all men, but there is a duty to provide perhaps, you know, it's changed now to some degree, you know, all genders are working more uh, and they're like, but you know, back in the day, as it were, the man would traditionally provide. They would probably spend most of their day doing a job they didn't like, sometimes in very harsh conditions. You know, where I'm from in Birmingham, you know, most of the uh, people I would have known in my dad's generation were kind of manual workers or working in the Rover factory or the uh, the Land Rover factory or the Cabri factory. They smelt a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's what the, those men would be doing each day. They'd, they'd spend their day doing a job they didn't like, go home and again, probably quite late sometimes, you know, maybe they would drink their woes away slightly mm. either before going home or whilst at home uh, and then, end, you know, end up spending their evening either, well, hopefully being there for their family to some degree and playing with their children or, or may, maybe not. But I think that is still prevalent, this sense of duty of a man to protect and you know, this idea here, even, you know, even as a gentleman, let's say, you stand on the... uh, If you're walking with a female, you stand next to the road because you take the hit, Mm. as you know, as as, as an example, or you put yourself in harm's way first. There is there is this overwhelming sense of duty, and for you to fulfil that duty, you can't get too emotional because then emotions then cloud it. So I think that maybe is a big factor. I'm not just that all the men want to be like the wrestlers or alike, but all men may be perhaps not all, but a lot, especially generations ago feel a duty to protect to provide to take the hit to take the burden there was an interesting it wasn't in in england i forget which country it, it was and again it's anecdote but there was this interviewer saying to uh to people on the street like if you or your partner had to die we were going to take one of you and kill one of you which one should we kill and all the men said kill me you know, and of course heavily edited video but all the men said yeah kill me you know love my and all the women said yeah kill the man he'd want me to be alive <laughs> uh, and yeah complete anecdote but it's it may be uh, an extreme example of what i just alluded to but i totally hear you i was just going to say but you know can you still be all of those things as a man you know be the protector be the the strong grounded one but also express your emotions at the same time without them clouding you know your your judgment or your protective qualities etc and that's exactly where i come from and 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 with my work i I don't want to take you know the stoicism that the 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 ability to have purpose and drive and to get stuff done even when it's hard and to um uh not not deny your emotions but to move beyond your emotions at times because we can't all just go oh i don't you know i don't, I don't feel like going to work today I, you know, my nose is a bit sniffly and i just feel a bit tired so <laughs> i'm not i'm not going to do that today we're not going to get very far so you know having that commitment to do these things but yeah the full expanse for me and i, I always come to this because i think it's such a great framework but carl jung had the archetype the the, the, the archetypes for men which is that um within every man is a warrior a lover a magician and a king mm. and um, the principle being the warrior is the part goes and gets stuff done. He's focused, determined, knows what he wants, and he goes after it. And the, the lover is the side that is experiencing, feeling life, connecting, um, nourishing, nurturing, like all our senses. Uh, and the magician is the part that can create and be open to expanse and to learn new things and to grow and to know that we're never stuck. We can always learn something new and grow and then it's only then when we've got the um we we step into each archetype that we become our king and the Mm. king is part of us that knows that when we need to we can be a warrior when we need to we can be the lover when we need to we can be the magician and now we're the full expanse of a man and what i see in our world is that we've got you know we've got very stuck in the warrior um energy and um and that's great. I never want to take away the warrior as long as it's channeled in the right direction, which I also think we've got a bit lost with what, where the warrior is channeling. Mm. But it's to also know that we can be a warrior and we can contrast and be the, the lover as well. We can be tough, strong, focused, determined, and we can be soft, gentle, nurturing, kind, compassionate as well. That's when beautiful. you say the warrior's got lost, are you alluding to things like the Andrew Tates of the world or 
the glorification of financial success and the big cars, etc. Is that what you mean, or is there more to it than that? Yeah. So, so a, a, a key part of the warrior is, um, you know, strangely, is, is finding stillness, and in that stillness, knowing your purpose, knowing your path, and then fearlessly going after what really matters to you. I think where we've got lost with our in the, in the warrior energy is that we we don't spend that time in stillness. We're always doing, mm. and we're in this world of telling us, dangling all these little treats and these attractive ways of being that that give us instant gratification. And without stillness and without knowing our heart's true intent or our real purpose, we're just going boom, 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 chase, 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 without knowing if it's really serving us. So we're putting our energy into things that are never really fulfilling us, and then we're wondering why we don't feel great on the inside. <laughs> and can you can you speak a little bit about then the tools that you're using to help men back on that path yeah absolutely well a, a huge one is is um is breath work now because um breath work i talked about stillness you know and we struggle to find stillness in this world we're very good at tuning into what we think you know and, and hearing that but we're not so good at hearing our heart the truth the deeper aspects of who we are what is really within us when we when we sit in stillness in fact even if i if i said this to myself 10 years ago or 15 years ago i wouldn't even have known i would have been like i don't even know how to listen to that mm -hmm. i wouldn't know where to start i can sit in stillness and can do my fingers and whatever else can do my <laughs> yoga and i still won't know what the hell i'm listening to i'll just be my voice will be going i don't know what i'm listening to it's a waste of time i've got emails to do i need to go and do my stuff and that's all i can hear and so breath work um uh, is a really powerful tool from from scientific perspective in that it quietens that chatter. Like we we we, we increase the oxygen in our body, uh, we decrease the levels of CO two, and then we actually create a physiological change that means that we're actually depriving our our brain of oxygen. And as it deprives of oxygen, it becomes more efficient in its use. And, and part of that efficiency is that it quietens the prefrontal cortex, which is the rational planning mm -hmm. part of us. And as we quieten that and create, then we find more stillness. It's like we, we don't hear the chitter chatter. We're not thinking of our emails anymore. That part's all quietened. And so like now we have this opportunity to hear within. And as we're listening within, there's there's answers to, to things that we never connect to in our day-to-day -day world of running around doing. So now we can use that knowing, that information to now like what really matters? What's really there for you? What are you feeling? What's what's in what's there for you in that stillness? And and then create a direction from that place rather than is that, is that Einstein who says we can't solve the problem from the place that we created it, the same place that we created it. Mm -hmm. I think, and most of us are running around trying to think the solution to our problems, but it's we're thinking from the place that we created the problem and we're just coming up with the same, same kind of solutions. When we find the connection to something deeper within us that has a different path, a path of truth and knowing rather than thinking, it's like, ah, oh, now that's a different direction for me to head in. That's different choices. It's a different way of being, which effectively is the path that I've chosen through my that's life. Beautiful. Did it happen uh, quite gradually for you? This kind of realization that you were, I guess, in your warrior energy and not enough in your heart, or was it was it like a moment of realization? Or was it a gradual process? It does take time. Yeah, there there, are, there might be some moments where you're like, oh, oh, but yeah, it's really. Um, tiny step by tiny step over. I mean, I'm still on the journey. Yeah. I'm still it's still doing this work. I'm 43 this year and it started at 30. You know, it's still, and that will continue. But yeah, it's tiny bit by tiny bit. Um, but obviously through awareness, I mean, just the framework of the archetypes. When I first learned about that, and I, I was almost like, suddenly I had this permission. I was like, so you mean I do have a lover inside of me and I can be a lover and I can still be a warrior. That, that that just that permission was like a big moment for me to go okay now i can expand i can be sensitive and kind and it doesn't mean i'm not still strong and tough so, so yeah that. so if a guy wanted to develop themselves in this way so if any guys are listening to this what's what would be the next step for them like would it be to do any particular guided breath work would it be to do you run retreats sessions what what would be the next step for someone and is it just breath work no, no, breathwork is a tool. Mm. Yeah, they, they, I think they, I think what's really important in the personal development journey is that there is no one size fits all. There isn't, mm. you know, if there's a book that we could all pick up and read it and now bingo, we've all enlightened and we've got it. Everyone is different. So for, for me that there is a journey and I think there are stages of, of, of growth and it starts with awareness, you know, starting to understand that 
perhaps we're not being the person that either we'd like to be or we're capable of being or the, to, to look at the possibility of more potential within us um, or just to look at the pain that we're holding on to and we want to move beyond that but that awareness bringing something giving our, our, our purpose our why is to to why we're going to do this work because it's hard and it's challenging and it's much easier to just stay as we are right for all of us it's always mm -hmm. easier that way so it starts with awareness then uh, for me it's about um uh looking at what we're holding on to looking at the patterns the beliefs that we've got like i learned to be that i had to i learned that i had to be a certain kind of man to thrive and to start to question that belief is that really true and understand that it's there and to see it and what would life look like another on the other side of that so to bring some softness to, to soften that belief so i'm not now charged by it i can now see it and create separation from it I can see it and then um look at like okay well if i'm not who i learned to be I'm not that man who I learned to be like who am I really like what really are my values what really is, is my, my my expanse of who I am do I really have that possibility to, to love to express love to be kind to be compassionate still be focused to be basically the archetypes if you like to be do I have that possibility within me and then from that place if I do have that possibility to be all of those parts if I can tap into them in some capacity what kind of future can I create for myself now in being all of those parts like what kind of relationship can I have if I'm capable of being a lover? What kind of job can I can I do if I'm capable of showing up passion, purpose, determination and drive and then leave that and create some magic and be creative and expressive as well when I leave the office or when I get home to my kids or whatever it is when I'm playing my sports? Like what future is possible for me now? Because I think so many of us get stuck and limited in our pattern that's just this is who I am. Don't try and change me. This is what I do. I know it's hard here. But that's who I am. It's just, you know, don't, that's it. And it's very limited. Mm. I always, I, I always love, sorry, I'm, I'm throwing so much. No, this is brilliant. This Keep going. <laughs> uh, thank you. There's, there's one analogy that I love to use, um, which kind of resonates with me because it was my world. And that's in, in, um, in, in the sport of rugby. In this country, I, I often saw this, that if you were the tough guy, which there are in, on the rugby pitch, right? It's the tough guy, the enforcer, and they don't take any shit and they get it done. They play that role the whole time, generally. It's like they can never show a chink of weakness because it would suddenly, it's like, if you've got that chink of weakness and so, suddenly you're not as tough anymore, I can see that you're gentle now mm -hmm. and that impacts your whole identity. Can you still be as tough now? We know you've got that kindness, that weakness in you. So we play that role, I'm always a warrior at all times and you'll never see anything outside of me. Whereas when I look at the, the South Sea Island rugby players, the, the Fijians, the Tongans, the Samoans, these beautiful, like, huge men so powerful so physical and you watch them play and you're like whoa these guys are crazy they're so physical and powerful and you're in awe of their kind of warrior status and then they come off the pitch and they're like poking each other they're hugging them they're singing and they're dancing and there's like big gentle like cuddly bears and i'm just like in that instance there is men who show us all of who they can be in that just in that spectrum just in the game and after the game and we love them. We celebrate. We love it that they come and they're so cuddly and they're singing and they're so like they're hugging each other. And we love that. We, and they're really celebrated. But we struggle to bring, like allow ourselves to expand our identity in the same way because they've grown up in a different, in a different sense that it is. Men do dance, and they do sing and they do hug and they do kiss and they do say, I love you, my brother, and all that. And what's interesting, that I know as I'm sure you like lots of people from that demographic who are now living in the UK playing rugby a lot of the men really struggle with UK culture and yes. then alcoholism can be quite rife yeah, and depression thing. can be quite rife with just that it's just completely different it's a completely different way of being a man and perhaps you know the UK society just says them all says to them all oh, they are are warriors they are the big yes. scary warrior and that is the complete completeness of who they need to be I, I think it really hurts when we bury aspects of who we are it hurts us on the inside we're no longer free we're no longer getting to be all of who we are. We've got to repress, hide, wear the mask. And that's heavy. It's heavy. So that's a beautiful analogy, Adam. Yeah, exactly. I hear you. Thank you. How has doing this work and being on this journey impacted your relationships? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Like, I've really learned that um, I didn't know this at the time, but my my relationships were, were so limited mm. and... Um, um, they tick boxes, you know, the girls look pretty and I hold the hand and it's like, oh, what well on Ben, you know, she's good. And we're like, yeah, she's cool. And, but 
it, it, it could only go so deep. I yeah. only go so far. I wouldn't let her in. I didn't know how to to get into her, into the her heart, to feel her, to have experiences together. Because it was all just, yeah, thanks, nice, yeah, good. Let's do this. Let's go here. Da, da, da. And so, and I, I, because I didn't know any different, it it was what it was. And I think there's a lot of men who are in that space. They don't know. They've never experienced a deeper, more open, more connected relationship. So they're not missing out, which was my my story. Now, um, my my experiences with this actually started like on retreats and personal development experiences where, you know, I made a promise to myself that I would I would share, I would, I would participate in this and I'd stand up in front of groups and say like, yeah, my story is I struggle to orgasm and, you know, and, and I was petrified at the time. I'd say it with a voice shaking because I felt, you know, what, like who says this? It's, you know, there's so much shame around it, so much inappropriate, like who's saying this? But when I expressed this and people could hold that space and then kind of come and say, thank you so much for sharing that, Ben, I like, it was beautiful or whatever they shared. I was like, oh, like I feel closer to you in this moment than I do most of my friends who I just, you know, I've known for years. But now I feel something different to you right now. And I want this in my friendships and in my relationships. So now I started to know that there was more. And so then, then in my relationships, I started to seek that. And now for me, it's my driver that it's an essential, like I feel sorry for my girlfriends. They're like, I thought I always wanted depth. Now I'm like, okay, chill out on the depth <laughs> bit. Like, can we not just talk about this like for a bit, please? And um, because that's what, that's intimacy for me. Mm. It's like, let me into your heart. Let me know like what's underneath. Why, what's, what's going on for you? Why are you needing to behave that way? Or what's, I'm not judging you. I want to hold you. I want to understand you more. And I want you to do that for me because I want you to know me like no one else knows me. And I want to know you like no one else knows you because that's what brings tightness. That's what brings teamwork, passion yeah. for me. No, and no. so, yeah. And all those questions are just at your breakfast with your partner. That's, <laughs> that's a breakfast conversation. But no, I, those questions can be so powerful and actually we often need something to instigate them. And most couples wouldn't even know, or most men wouldn't even know how to start with that. There's something called, I don't know if you've come across it, the school of life. Yeah. Uh, and no, he's, he created, well, he didn't, I didn't create them. <clears throat> some of, someone in his team created like intimacy cards. Yeah, they're great. Uh, and Holly and I did them a while back like, in the garden. Was it pre-Sunday? No, no. no. He, he was upstairs he was just to in sleep, bed. I think, yeah. And yeah, we're in the garden with a fire, with cocktails. It was just, it was amazing. Beautiful. Really... How, how, how did it feel, Adam? Like, initially, did you have any, like, trepidation? Or, like, oh, no, 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 no. So oh, I say I'm okay. cold. It's more that... Not cold. I'm not cold, particularly. It's more that things don't come to the surface for me particularly easily. Yeah. They come yes. out my mouth. <laughs> the only thing that really makes me cry is a good audition on Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> No, that, well, they are emotional. Yeah, yeah. That's designed to be. But that, that's about the only thing that makes me kind of cry. My face is quite default angry the whole time. So, but yeah, but I think verbally things come out and there's no issues with me being vulnerable, I don't think. Oh, what are they? Well, oh, maybe God. we need to have a session with Ben. Who knows? <laughs> no, do you know what? You, I think that Adam has got a really, I think that Adam can come across like unapproachable. I mean, I was terrified when I first met him. I fancied him, but I was quite scared of him. <laughs> Um, and I think a lot of people don't see what's on un what's underneath Adam, but but people can feel it, and there is a really sweet, sensitive soul. And I'm going to be honest; I do think that you are scared sometimes to show the full spectrum of your beautiful, Ooh. your beautiful, sensitive soul. And I'll I'll leave it there. <laughs> As in, show it publicly. Well, yeah, eat with me as well a little bit. Now you do, you do a lot, but I, I can feel that there's there's more to go. But that's why we've chosen each other. That's what I believe. You know, I think I've chosen him. For whatever reason, he's maybe chosen me to, for that softness, that sensitivity. And I believe in that, you know, that people come together and to, I, make, to help make each other whole. And equally, I'm a firm believer of when you fall for someone, they will have certain things that you particularly love about them. Certain qualities that draw you in. And all of those qualities have an equal and opposite side to them. Like if you love someone because they're highly organized and they organize a second date, third date, fourth date straight away and create an amazing itinerary for your first weekend away, at some point in your relationship, the fact that they are so organized will slightly do your head in <laughs> because maybe there is less spontaneity at certain times or like, but I think there is always these equal and opposite qualities. I feel like we're detracting from what we were just talking oh, about, yes. Adam. I feel like that was a bit of self-sabotage there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but it's beautiful. And I, and I hear you. And I think we're going into the complexities of all this. I don't think it is necessarily right to always be really open and emotional, vulnerable yeah. and all like all of this stuff, because like, oh, look, we're going into sort of traditional sort of masculine, feminine stereotypes here. But polarity does matter and we mm. look, it is important to be able to hold yeah. space and for, for for someone to be able to express openly and know the other one's got it and vice versa mm. and if we're both like deeply emotional and in floods of tears who's who's holding anything yeah. you know and, and so there is that there is that and traditionally whether it's because of you know the the the, the, the masculine gene or because of society's you know impression of what a man should be but traditionally the man is a bit more structured and and centered and, and able to hold that stillness and let the, the the emotion kind of be held and not express it so much themselves but just be still with it and there is we we need that polarity in some capacity but mm. it's just not to say i think where we've got a bit stuck with it is to say that that the man should always be that and the woman should always be the one who's bringing that because actually the man also has a need sometimes to to emote and it's beautiful for him to sometimes be held for, 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 for his partner to be able to say hey it's okay you can cry with me mm. and, you know it's, it's okay so would, would you say it's about both men and women doing the work to balance both of their masculine and feminine energies within them so that they can be both the space holder and the one that that gets emotional without feeling bad about it yeah I think that's really beautiful like we all um we, we all have masculine and feminine mm. energy of course and and I think if we are a man who can who deprives ourselves of ever expressing or feeling into or uh, coming from our feminine, then we are depriving a natural part of us and vice versa for women. And that's where I think it's really important that, you know, we come from this place that women can be whatever they want to be and men can be whatever they want to be. Women are powerful leaders. Men can be nurturing house husbands. Mm. Uh, there is no one size fits all. But I think what what we're just acknowledging is that if you are perhaps a little bit more of a, a feminine man, which is nothing wrong with that, because you can still have the masculine leadership, you still be a powerful leader mm. and in your feminine. Um, uh, I forgot where I was, was going to go with it. But yeah, it's it's like both, both, it's all like we all have all this stuff within us. And if we're depriving either side of it, then we're depriving like, aspects of who we are. Mm -hmm. What men come to you? Is it men that are already kind of in the choir and already well up for it? In the choir? Is that the one? In the band? What's See, I, 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 it, I'm trying to say singing from the same hymn, hymn sheet. But what <laughs> I don't know this one. Explain it from the choir. But are they already singing from the same hymn sheet? Or mm. are they men that have kind of identified something and maybe they could benefit from you? Or are, do you get men that have just being persuaded that they need something and their partner or their friend has said, right, you need to go to this workshop or this retreat, et cetera. Mm. Like what level are most of the men that end up working with you at? Yeah, I'd say all, all of the above, you know, and even that one he touched on there, the girlfriends pushing them saying, or the wives saying, you need to do some of this stuff, you know, but, um, and also by the way, a lot, a lot of my clients end up being women because we do, we live in this world where, where the world tells us to be warriors, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just men, it's, it's women who are experiencing this too. And a lot of women are, like aren't happy in that space. And a lot of men are depriving themselves of this. So, but yeah, it's, um, the, assen the essential for me in, in all of this, that the way that I try and piece it together is ultimately if, if you can connect with like a lack of purpose within you or something that feels like you're missing something or your life is good in many ways, but there's still an element of unf like being unfulfilled and you don't know why. And it's like, that's, I'll help you uncover that because mm. there's something that's missing that perhaps you're, you're depriving that you're not allowing yourself to be at, at this point. Um, Do you yeah. think that that is like um, a, a lack of connection with a, a part of you? in a way that yeah. is that what that where that in fulfillment comes from is because you're kind of looking outside for validation etc rather than kind of going within would you, would you say that's mainly what it is i'd say that's the like top, top level yeah. part of what it is yeah but there's a whole lot underneath yeah, that in yeah. terms of like well why are you depriving yourself and then you know doing a lot of work to uncover yeah. like and, and to 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 that often takes a lot of bravery because your identity that you've built up could be 40 years worth of avoiding that part of you thinking it's unsafe because from age three, your dad 
you know, showed you or whatever it was and whatever came up for you in your world showed you that that part of you is not acceptable. Or if you behave that way around the people you value, you're cast aside or told not to be that way. Mm. And so, and, and like, and as an absolute essential, you have learned, do not be this way. And in not being that way, you've deprived, you've missed parts of who you are. And now you're age 40 and you've firmly not that person, but it's limiting you mm. and you're not stepping into areas that the truth is you want to be. How do you prefer to do your work? Do you prefer the one-to-ones? Do you prefer retreat format or big event format? Where do you find the best work is done? I love um, a retreat in person and you see people physically change. You see them how they look and how they appear. And like for, for me, the most powerful missing thing in this world or that we're depriving ourselves of, depriving ourselves of is human connection, is experiencing the intimacy of an open heart with someone else. Like where, you know how great it feels when you really feel seen and you really feel like you can see them and you really get each other. And you can just totally be yourselves and it feels great and, it just, yeah, and it's ah, mm, it's nourishing. So in-person retreats, and you know, my experience is ultimately getting people out of their head and into their heart. Their heart being their deepest truth, and their head being the learned version of who they think they should be. So taking them into their heart, suddenly they're free and they're liberated, and they're like, oh, I can finally be myself. I feel so great. And then other people doing mm -hmm. that same journey, and everyone coming together and shining from that same place, and just there's just fun and lightness to that. And it's beautiful. I think it's very rare that in the modern world people get to be themselves because they often are there to fulfill a role. They're often in a place as a parent and they're speaking to other parents at an event or they're in work or a social event related to work or the like. And I, for one, I can admit this, I struggle when I don't have a role. Uh, I went to an event with a... A massive company the other day, like you know, the world's biggest company, literally. Uh, and it, it was an event, like a socializing event and launching a new product, etc. And I hated it. Not hated it as in the people were lovely. Hope they're not listening. Uh, no, no, no. The people were lovely. Uh, but I, and again, a little bit deaf at times. So I struggle with like big groups all talking amongst each other. So that's kind of an excuse, but also half truth in that. But, yeah. you know, there's, there's, it was all fitnessy people. So big groups of fitnessy people chatting. Well, not big groups, but like groups of five chatting. They're all, some of them, many of them know each other. Fitness people quite outgoing, quite loud. And I just couldn't mingle. I just sat and looked at a beautiful window and just observed. And perhaps because I have, again, that look of slight arrogance <laughs> that no one, no one thought, oh, he's shy. Let's go and chat to him. They probably just thought oh, he's a bit of an arsehole. He doesn't want to speak to anyone uh, or the like. And yeah, I, without a role, I hate it. Give me, get, put me in front of 500 people. I'm fine. Put me in any other setting. I'm fine. But groups when I don't have a role. And I think many, many people are like that. It's very rare in their life that they can just be themselves. And if they can get to be themselves, be able to then let go as themselves where they don't have a role. I'm, I'm, I'm so with you. And, and yeah, what you expressed then is just, it hurts us when we don't get to be who we really are. You know, like it's, you, you say you hate it. I would say that you almost, it's like you hated it because it didn't feel comfortable. It felt like there was something within you that felt, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not free. I'm not, I can't just relax. I'm like, and I would argue that a lot of us in this world live like that. You know, we don't know ourselves. So we, can, we don't know how to be ourselves and we're just constantly performing. Maybe I'm projecting that because that was my experience for a long time without mm -hmm. knowing it. But I definitely felt like I had to be someone that wasn't naturally like in alignment with who I really was. So it hurt and it was draining. I was tired. So I, I really hear you. And, and yeah. an extension of that as well is true. You can be around people all day and not be connected to them. Can't you in a sense? Yeah. And I remember, yeah. I remember articulating that to someone I dated years ago. And it wasn't actually, at that point, I was teaching yoga, but also my job was doing lots of kind of youth work, et cetera, and managing these buildings. So I was around people all day, every day, big groups, small groups, teaching people. Now, if, I, if it was a busy day, I would be verbally speaking to like 500 people throughout the day. But at the end of the day, I didn't feel like I connected to anyone. 
Mm. And again, I'm sure lots of people have that situation. And especially in the wellness, people in the wellness industry as professionals are often around people, but re very rarely with anyone, truly. Mm. Yeah, they, they say, you know, there's two epidemics. Well, I don't know how many epidemics are going on, but stress, you know, we're all so stressed and it's a killer, but loneliness is mm -hmm. kind of the one that's kind of creeping up on us now and how lonely we are. And obviously we're, we're in theory in this most connected world ever. And um, actually there's so much loneliness. London is an incredibly lonely city. Everyone's off doing everything. But like we're, unless we're really connecting at a level where we feel seen, heard and understood, like it's lonely. And I don't know, how can we feel seen, heard and understood if, if we can't actually be ourselves in the first place? Mm. No one can understand ourselves, understand us that, if we're not being ourselves. Mm. Do, do you feel that there is this kind of movement towards authenticity? Because I, I can almost feel it. It's like the the old stuff, even though it's still so there on social media, you know, it's all these, these quick things and people's attention span is so short and there's a lot of all of, the, you know, the noise. But underneath it, it feels like that is just slowly, slowly falling away and people do want, you know, realness and truth and authenticity. Do, do you feel that? And do, do you struggle to kind of present yourself in that way in I guess a world that um you know where people's attention spans are really short and they want quick snappy videos but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's really hard isn't mm, it like, yeah. in that sense um yes I, I I really hear you and I, I do believe there is a drive towards authenticity I do I, I I because I think we've been inauthentic for too long and there is this kind of learning of this um and we're starting to realise that it hurts mm. when, we're, when we're not. Mm. I, th I think there is that realisation. Um, maybe that's my bubble because in the wellness mm. sector, if you perhaps if you walk into a bank, they'd be like everyone would think yeah. they're completely authentic and not to. By the way, not, I'm not judging anyone for making a bank wrong in that capacity, but I think um, you know perhaps you don't do so much introspective work in yeah. that environment. You, you know, you're, it is do do do. Um, and they're not, they think they're hundred percent. I mean, look, I think mm. we all think we are being authentic. I don't think any of us sit there and go, I'm being really inauthentic. <laughs> if we reach that point, then we'll probably do the work. That's enough. That realization is. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think we probably, we probably all do think we are being authentic. Mm. Um, mm, that's only a good when point. we discover the next part of ourselves. They were yeah. like, like, <laughs> I loads of my friends say Ben you seem pretty happy in your 20s doing your thing like it didn't seem like how you talk about it now and I was like that's it felt that way to me too yeah. I thought I was having great fun I did, I did think it was all brilliant you know we're in Vegas every summer and we're doing all our things I thought this is amazing I'm living the dream amazing in some capacity it, it was but underneath inside there was emptiness and it's only when I discover what that emptiness was about and stepped into it that I can be like okay I was being an authentic but at the time I had no idea and I think there are loads of people out there who think they're being authentic and, and maybe yeah. Yeah. there's more. That makes sense. It reminds me of that a sketch from the guys that did the Peep Show and it shows the barracks of uh, an SS group, <coughs> obviously World War II, and them saying to each other, like, are we the bad, are we the bad guys? We do have a scholar crossbones on our hat. Like, are, are we at and that revelation of, am, am I actually being inauthentic? Is this me? A <laughs> uh, similar yeah. revelation. I do believe that people are increasingly as well as consumers of information or consumers of content wanting more authentic content. It's, you know, it's not wellness industry at all. Have you come across a guy called Sam Sullock? No. So he no. is like a 20-year-old kid who is huge, like bodybuilder, huge, like obscene, like obviously on steroids. <laughs> but nothing wrong with that. But his videos are really poorly edited, like barely edited at all. And it's just him being himself, walking around the gym, like being a bit sarcastic. They're long form, like hour long videos. And he, like, his videos get millions and millions of views. Like mm. he's got frizzy long hair, but it, it couldn't be more worth it. Yeah, beyond the steroids, it couldn't be more like, this is just me. And it's not, not particularly trying hard. Mm. Uh, and so I think there is a movement towards that. People wanting, wanting, real not everyone, people. but wanting kind of things that feel real things that they can relate to. I think we've, we should wrap oh, yeah. up. Do you have a closing question? Well, Ben, are there any like last words of wisdom from your heart for, for the audience today? Anything that maybe you could you could speak to someone that might have been in your position a few years ago and, and feels that sort of calling inside them, like something's a little bit off, like what's the next step? Mm, yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I, 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 
I have two quotes that I, I kind of are at the core of my work. And one of them, it says, your wound is not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility, mm-hmm. which I know can be quite triggering for some people um, because well, for all sorts of reasons I won't get lost in. But um, I think that that is a if we can find softness to, to just to look at that and engage with it, then it's a, a beautiful place to start. Like I am really come from a compassionate place where I'm not blaming anyone for where they're at. I really believe that we are much more a product of our environment and who we've learned to be. And and no one teaches us how to be our real selves. So I'm never blaming anyone because I lived that life and I don't blame myself for that. So, but just to look at like what we're feeling. Yeah. Like start with, how are you? Like really, I know and that's the most basic thing to start with. I was to answer that question really truthfully from the depths of not how I'm feeling just in this moment, but how am I feeling about like my life? Re- like really what's there? Start from that place. We can't heal what we don't feel. So allowing us to bring that up. And then the second part is, um, which I think is really relevant in today's world of kind of instant gratification. And that is don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. Because I do think a lot of us are sacrificing like, what we really want and what we really seek and who we really are for what fits in now or what feels good now. And it's, we're just on this constant treadmill of like now, 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 mm-hmm. give me that, give me that, give me that. And, when, and we're missing out on what we really want. When we miss out on what we really want, we're, we're like, we're, we're losing the relationship with ourselves. Like we're, we're denying ourselves, we're sabotaging ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I they, those two things just stand out to me. Um, uh, in terms of starting places, Perfect. just looking at that and seeing what comes up for you. Thank you. And tell us where people can find you or any events or like you've got coming up. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I guess like the world revolves around Instagram, doesn't it? So I'm no longer the naked professor, whether <laughs> that's a good thing or bad thing, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I'm Ben Bidwell underscore on Instagram. My website is benbidwell.com. Um, I do live events. Um, uh, beautiful, like with a sound he- a sound healer. She doesn't like to be called a sound healer, but I think she's a sound healer. I don't know what else to call her. Um, this beautiful operatic voice, and that, that just takes you into the into the depths of your soul. And we combine that with breath work to take people on a beautiful journey. We call that alchemy. Mm-hmm. So we do that live and in person um, every sort of month or six weeks. So the next one's actually coming up next week. I don't know when this is coming out, but next Wednesday evening. Um, which of course you, you're both like I know you have commitments in out of town but you're both so invited to that if you'd like to come you. it would be an honour to like share with you um, festivals in the summer hopefully I'll see see you both there in fact Holly I haven't said this to you but I think the first time I, I ever connected with you or online and followed your stuff was I'm sure I heard you at Wilderness would that be right a few years ago uh, yeah we've been there for about three or four years I think so yeah. oh okay did yeah, we meet yeah, there sure. no I just I'm walked just... by and I was like oh. what is this this is so beautiful oh. and, and so and then I found I looked on the schedule and, mm. and then followed you from that place um, that was the start whenever that was but yeah maybe I'll see you at some festivals yeah I hope um, so um share there so awesome. well thank you for your thank time you so much it's been a ben. pleasure it's amazing thank you no thank you thank you for having me it's been beautiful honestly unbalanced